We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. Mike is en route to our longest road trip of the season. I think it's our longest one. Uh, and so just uh, just the two of us today, D and last night, Lakers finished what they started. Um, it was a very similar game to the Indiana game, except down the, the stretch, they really closed it out. Good game by the Lakers, right? The Blazers are without uh, Damian Lillard. They've lost a few games in a row, right? I, but these are the types of games that aren't really about the other team to me. And I thought the Lakers, in terms of lessons learned, applied immediately what they, you know, they went up big in the fourth and then they they closed it out. It also represents the quarter mark of the season. It was the 20th game. And most of the time when we talk on the pod, we talk about what we think about this team. I want to talk today about how we feel about this team. Last season, I think left a, uh, I think it scarred the psyche of the Lakers fan base. And I think earlier in this season, everything has been very, uh, at least the encore product has been kind of juxtaposed with the disaster of last year. And I don't know what this season is going to be or where it's going. But I can say with confidence at the quarter mark that this year's team is not last year's team. And there's something here. There's something more cohesive. There's something more together. And just from like a watching it, it doesn't feel like a square peg round hole type of situation. And so I find myself hoping at least that that we can kind of let the ghosts of last season go while still learning from them, right? And move on to what's ahead. Because I think the next chapter of this season is about to start with this road trip. So how do we feel about this team? This is interesting. I can tell you I like this year's team much more than I liked last year's team. And there were so many incongruencies with last season's team that it was hard to back it with any real vigor. It was much easier to doubt it than it was to believe in it in any real way. I don't know. And there's varying levels of belief. Right. And so the year that the Lakers won the championship, we weren't sure. I, you remember, it was just you and me who were doing the pod back then. This Mm -hmm. was before Mike 
obviously longtime listener of the pod, but it was just you and me. And like for the first, I don't know, 20 games of the season, we were still in, I don't know. We were skeptical, I think, in, we in were, a variety of ways. We were like 17 and three, you know? Yes, they like were. The, the level and, of skepticism is like, will they win the championship? Yes, but that's what I'm saying in terms of levels of belief, right? Because belief is always based off of your North Star. If, if your North Star sure. is winning the championship, then believing your team is capable of winning the championship, that's a high bar to clear. And, that's fair. and honestly, yeah. like I, I thought, so go back to the 2000, the 1999-2000 team. That team carried scar tissue from the previous seasons that had oh, yeah. built up where you could not be sure that that team was going to win the championship. Like even in that game seven against Portland, you're like, these dudes are going to lose. Bro, we were up They're- 3-1 in that series, right? That's what people don't remember. It wasn't just the game seven. We went up 3-1 and then they just did not guard Ron Harper and AC Green at all. And it completely gunked up our offense. And we were down 15 in that game seven, right? And it was like, as a fan, I was like, here we go again. We're going to lose. That yeah. was the vibe. God, we are that, going that to lose. And that's why the exuberance that Shaq showed when he punched that alley-oop from, from Kobe and the pointing to the crowd, it was a there – was, there was triumph in that, but there was relief in that as well. I oh, know man. I felt yes. that relief as, as a fan. And so – one of the things I've carried with myself for a long time as as a fan, and I say that it sort of defies the success of the team that I root for, is that I never take winning for granted because winning is so hard, right? Yeah. And so, like, drop the confetti after about every all, game, every home game you win, drop that confetti. Absolutely. Well, everyone talks about oh, the championships, seventeen championships, and Magic Johnson won five championships. Like, I was too young for like the nineteen eighty championship Mm -hmm. and even 82 it was like i was still too little right but i saw the rest of those championships are ingrained into my memory you Mm -hmm. know what else is ingrained in my memory is magic johnson lost four finals yeah right and so i remember the 85 team and being like well like or the 86 team and being like oh well this team and then the 84 team right like the losses that crippled you those are the ones that are just like, oh, well, damn. Like, Scarring you as a you. small child. I remember Louis Bird because I couldn't say Larry. I'm like sure. four years old. I think it was the 84 finals. And I remember just crying because Louis Bird, that fucker, right? Like that's my four-year-old mind. Well, it's just so this is a long way of getting back to the point of like what your expectations are. I don't know yeah. what this team is capable of doing. Like we, we said it, I know that th- this current iteration of it, the roster as it is on December 1st of 2022, this team is not winning the championship. So my North right. Star is not, can my team, the well, team that is, I want just, to see win. It, it's always it, our North Star, but it's far, it's so far away where it's like, oh, you, can't you, have to, you have to up. concentrate, you got to concentrate on the steps in front of you. Well, it, it's just like the North Star, like you can at least see it, right? right? Like. The sky yeah, how do you follow it if you right can't now. see like, it? The North Star might, <laughs> sure. might, might be there, but there's a thick layer of fog out here yeah, in the Bay Area yeah. that is obscuring my view of the North Star right now, right? So, but I will say that it's just like, I enjoy rooting for this team. Like, 
And that's not something I could honestly say with much. Couldn't say that with my chest last season, right? And so the championship season, it's it's interesting. You're like, oh, well, like, well, they were this and they had this this record. So I found myself being both skeptical and defensive at the same time, right? So I was defending the Lakers to all of the naysayers who were just, oh, well, y'all didn't beat anyone good. The only, like, <laughs> y'all lost to the Clippers. This is that and the other. I'm defending, I'm defending the team against them. But then the rational part of my brain is just like, well, why is their offense so clunky? And mm-hmm. how, come, how come Anthony Davis is shooting 17-foot jumpers six times a game? And like, what's going like, so there was certainly a path to what the team was going to be. Right. And I had, I had clear belief that the team could compete for a championship. LeBron James looked, looked excellent. They had prime Anthony Davis. I'm just like, okay. Oh, Danny Green. Look at Danny Green. Oh, look, KCP doing some stuff. Hey, Alex Caruso. We're in the conversation at least. Yeah. Right. But then at the beginning of the year, it was just like, well, how come? How come Rondo is playing so much? And <laughs> and why is Quinn Cook getting 12 minutes a game? And, and like there were, there were rotation yep. questions and all of this other stuff. Like it's it's easy to look at what they did and say like, oh, well, I believe the whole time. It's just like, no, I, it's on tape, Pete. We were on the podcast. We oh, were yeah. talking about like where our skepticism Anguishing was. over all of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what, when and getting back to this year's year's team, the way I feel about them is on certain levels, hopeful, and then on other levels, like very realistic about what they are right now and seeing their flaws with clear eyes and getting frustrated about those flaws. But I will say that if anything else, I'm invested in them mm, each like night. That. And that's, could you honestly, like, like you're a team employee, like everything Bro, else, like no. I am now too, right? But there's Last a certain year was level torture. Of, I, I believed we could figure it out. Right. And because to me, so much of last year was there were a lot of blind spots from a lot of different people that matter in terms of putting together the team, coaching the team, right? All of it. There was that incongruence that you were talking about was in so many places. It was almost like you had stepped in, like I grew up in the high desert and sometimes you'd be walking around or you'd basically you'd step on a burr or something like that. Right. And you'd, you'd get something in your foot, even if it was inside the house. Right. Um, and You'd be, it, you'd walk around and, you know, it just hurt. It felt like you had, or, or, you know, a, a needle or something like that from a cactus type thing. Right. And that's what la- last year felt like from a basketball perspective in so many different ways. And there's been a resolution in terms of like Russell Westbrook, I think represents this very well in terms of, we can debate like his, the, the level of his importance to the team and trades and things like that. But I don't think there's much debate that like, this feels much more of a natural fit where he is right now. And that matters. Like the job of the first quarter of the season to me was to get the train back on the tracks. And there were certain steps to build a credible defense, right? Like all these things. And we've checked so many of the boxes that I was hoping for that I was like, Hey, at least like, we're not all the way there. We've got so, so far to go, but we're going in the right direction and we're getting a little bit better day by day. And there's, it's sort of, an NBA season, especially with the new team, is a war of accumulation in my mind. And I think that we're winning today's way more than we did last year. I think it's 
great that you brought up Russ within this this context because I think the shift in vibe around him or even the shift in the perception around him is a symbol of the transition between last year and this year. And that idea of debating the pluses and minuses of Russell Westbrook, we've done that a bunch of times. I still think he takes stuff off of the table that is important of towards course. winning. And that's that's a conversation that in the big picture, that's an important part of the conversation. And if your goal and if your North Star does not change the way that this organization's North Star does, does not change, that needs to be taken into account in terms of yeah. every decision that you make moving forward, right? And so no one's going to turn a blind eye to that. No one's going to disregard that. No one should ignore that. The other part of that is, though, when you do burrow down and you look at the winning of today against the Portland Trailblazers, Russell Westbrook hit two buzzer beating threes. He so mm -hmm. here's the so here is the here's the full Russell Westbrook experience. And and I texted oh, this in the thread. Yeah, these, right? these texts were, by the way, like 15 back seconds apart. <laughs> and, and not only back to back, they literally came 30 seconds apart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a possession, I think, to close the third quarter. And Russ had Russ Russ. So Russ finished the game four for 14. He had five rebounds and four assists. He scored 10, 10 points. Those are all below his season averages, right? In in a lot of ways. At near the end of the third, third quarter, Russ, to me, he had clearly looked fatigued. He mm. and when Russ gets fatigued, there's certain things that start to happen. He then becomes a shortcut player, right? Yes. And so Russ yes. loves to take a shortcut when he's yep. tired. And it's just like, and I think this is true, honestly, with a lot of players who have been super athletic over the course of their careers, because athleticism is the ultimate cheat code, right? Like, do you remember in Super Mario Brothers where you would warp? You'd go to like this this thing and you duck down inside the pipe and then you come out mm -hmm. the other side and you're like, I'm six levels ahead. That's I just it. warped forward. That's what elite athleticism is in the NBA. Like, yeah. oh, I'm just taking ja I'm taking the warp tunnel the and suddenly yep. <laughs> I am in this new place, right? Because y'all can't hang with me. But Russ's as Russ's athleticism has started to dip just enough. Those shortcuts no longer take him. He's ducking down on the pipe. He, he ain't moving. It's just like, oh, oh, yeah. Well. It's not one of those pipes. Yeah, it was one so, of the other ones. So he, so then it's just like, there's, there's some mental lapses, there's turnovers, and there's like jump shots, over-reliance on jump shots. And it was near the end he of the third quarter. He used to be so quarter. good at that elbow jumper though. Where did that go? Well, you know, it's just like uh, mechanics and jumping too high, shooting on its way down. There's yeah. a bunch of stuff that are like the feel part. Like Russ is such a hammer. He is such a blunt force object that it's just like sometimes you don't need that. But that's that's his. But tool. he used to have it. He used to have it at one point. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And like that shot in particular would be super helpful. And I remember earlier in his career, it was just like oh, if you sag that because look, it, teams have been sagging off of him his whole career. But yes. if you sagged off of that shot, like, yeah, he was just yes. I'm going to hit this 14 footer. Well, you know, it's like the ev it's it's funny how NBA players evolve, and this is like a whole separate pod. Um, mm -hmm. But it's interesting how some things that players used to do fine, right? They were it was never the it was never their primary go go to thing. Like Kareem Skyhook only got better over yeah. time, 
right? And it's because that was his thing. But I guarantee you, if by year 20, if you ask Kareem, hey, Kareem, shoot that turnaround over the left shoulder jumper that you used to shoot when you were yeah. like in your third and fourth season and sixth season and eighth season and even your 10th season, shoot that. How's that going to work work for you? And Kareem's going to be mm. like, no, I'm going to swing left and shoot right if that's right. you don't mind, <laughs> right? Like, that's what I'm about now. Like, those parts of my days are... Like, I still see them and I can do it, but it's not going to be the same. Can I pull that thread a little bit? Like, so Kareem with the skyhook and Kareem's evolution as a player. It's funny, us being around the same age. We came to age, I think, in the year that Kareem transitioned to being like clearly the second guy on the team. And he won a finals MVP in 1985. This is the year that I'm talking about. But Mm -hmm. by then, I think it was legitimately like that was Magic's team. I think of the 80 and 82 teams as Kareem teams. And and I may be wrong in this, right? But this is just how I view it in my mind is, is that those were Kareem teams, the first two, and then the last three were Magic teams. And the skyhook and the transition of... Kareem's game from that player who did everything, who was the real Anthony Davis analog, you know, Kareem, uh, even that's who, when Kareem was asked, he said, that's who his game reminds him the most of in today's game is AD. And so there's just like that multiplicity of like, this guy's so big and so good. He makes it look so easy that Kareem had that, that uh, LeBron had that in a different way. And he spoke to this last night regarding his uh, athleticism in the postgame interview. But the skyhook gave Kareem a you're never going to do crap about this ever shot (laughs) that it's wild that there's nobody else that really incorporated it into their game quite the way that Kareem did. And just there, you can't say that about a lot of go to moves. But in this transition, uh, I want to take a break and talk about LeBron. I think LeBron is figuring out who he is as counterintuitive as that seems in year 20. And I think that Kareem is a, an interesting comparison in this respect. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
so last night, LeBron shot well, but he particularly picked up his gameplay, meaning that he's been on in a part of so many groups that had a negative plus minus. Like he hasn't really impacted the game much this year from a, a whether we score or not, especially on the offensive end. And in the in even though he shot well in his first shift, we were still had still had that lethargy to us. And I think there are other reasons for this. But you pointed out that he switched on to Jeremy Grant in the second quarter. And that animated and energized him in a way that I thought carried over into all sorts of parts of his game. And I think that that is we were talking about rhythm to start the week. I think that more than anything, like LeBron figuring out who he is and and what he wants to be within this and and figuring out how to animate himself within within this I think is really like we we made all the side dishes it's been a good start to the season with role players and all of that but how the how this goes from here to me really hinges on that I think it 100% does and this is where I wish Mike was here to sort of balance out some of the yeah. conversations because I think Mike is very good about being realistic about LeBron in year 20 and what that's going to look like over the course of a full 82 game season and what our expectations should be and how do we calibrate and recalibrate those maybe even from night to night right and so one of the things that I thought about LeBron in this Portland game is if you recall in the first Portland game, the Lakers were in it. And then I think what gets a lot of attention is the idea of how they fumbled the bag to a certain extent down the stretch of that game when Chauncey Billups put Yusuf Nurkic on Russell Westbrook, the Lakers offense stalled out, and Dame went crazy and started to hit some shots, and, and then the game was lost, basically. But one of the things that happened was the game was tied. And Jeremy Grant isolated LeBron James on the right wing mm, mm -hmm. and he took him right to the basket and he scored over a nice AD contest too. Like Grant came middle, yep. I think, and then he finished over the top yeah, he and, adjusted and, sort of, and yep. he adjusted it and he got off a look and he scored. And then LeBron had a chance to tie or win the game on a final possession. He shot a turnaround jumper and he missed. Game over. Right. And that was that. In this past game, Jeremy Grant gave LeBron some fits on a couple of drives and LeBron was animated towards Anthony Davis and towards teammates just in general. Mm. Like need your help there. Step up, mm -hmm. move into better help position and be there for me. Right. And the one thing that I was super happy with about LeBron, and I'll be interested to see how often this is from night to night to night based off of what his defensive assignment is and all kinds of other factors, how his legs feel, everything else. But rather than get outwardly frustrated and start to be like, mm -hmm. well, these dudes ain't got my back, mm -hmm. I'm going to maybe be a little passive aggressive or I'm going to, mm -mm, well, then maybe I'll switch back off a of grant. No, this dude just kept competing and he competed harder and harder and harder. And he, his animation towards his teammates was only adding fuel to his own aggression on both sides of the floor it was good to animation. actually yeah. compete, yeah. like to compete harder. Yeah. And whether or not LeBron can be that player 
60 more times over the course of the regular season, that seems like too big of an ask for me. The flip side of that is, though, is that wherever this team is going to go, so forget the championship North North Star. Let's just talk about like LeBron on the front of the ship and the guy who is steering the vessel, right? As LeBron being the North Star. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of that level of engagement of like this matters to me in this way and I'm going to show it based off of my competitive drive and my competitive spirit. I think that is going to be such a big factor in terms of what LeBron is or isn't figuring out, quote unquote. And I don't know how that's going to look from night to night, Pete. Like I don't know how that manifests itself. Right. Against the Portland Trail Trailblazers, a team that was without Damian Lillard, was without Josh Hart, was without Nasir Little. The only two scoring options they had were Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant. Patrick Beverly started on Jeremy Grant. Pat Bev picked up an early foul and Grant was uh, giving him problems. You gotta stop doing that, man. But Grant of course he was, was giving, giving him problems. problems. Of yeah. course. <laughs> Yes. And so LeBron, like Mike asked LeBron about it after the game and LeBron sort of like played it off and didn't sort of take, I don't want to call it the bait, but basically didn't elaborate further, didn't talk about taking on the challenge or anything else. He was just sort of just like, hey, Pat Bev got an early foul, didn't want him to pick up a second. So I stepped into the defensive matchup and just stayed with him the rest of the game. Right. Very vanilla response to this. But I will tell you this. His approach, Pete, was not vanilla at all. Not at all. This dude was was playing hard. And when he got beat, he got frustrated with himself and he got frustrated with his teammates because where's my help? And now you better be there next time for me because I'm still going to keep competing like this. It wasn't a you let me down. Now I'm just going to do whatever I want. It was I'm going to keep doing this damn thing. You come with me. It's setting a level of expectation for next time, right? So that that play is over and done, but that increases that right there increases the likelihood of it happening, right? Because look, he's our leader. We're gonna follow his and his journey this first quarter of the season has been super interesting in that like he's I've never seen him looking to find himself to the degree that he has been so far. And I have, you know, my thoughts that I've shared on, oh, I think he's going to be this. I think he's more of this triple post player and things like that. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what LeBron thinks and how LeBron thinks that he fits into it. And he is, you, he has to play through it to figure it out. He was asked that question about like, how are you able to sustain? And, and one of the things that he pointed out was like, I don't, rely on my athleticism as much or that just crazy athleticism, that ability that to collect his feet and just soar into the air in traffic, you know, like now he can still get up there and has these jaw dropping plays, but he just needs a couple steps to to get the feet right, right? In, in ways that he didn't when he was younger. And so that on a team full of guards and ball handlers, like the, I think the overall concept of this team since he got here was like LeBron's getting older. He's going to need more help on the perimeter and we're going to surround him with ball handling. And we did that the first year and the year that we won the championship, we really didn't. Right. And, and there's perhaps lessons in this. Right. But, uh, and then the Dennis Schroeder year, right. We trade Danny green for him. That's part of the reason you do it. Um, and then Russell Westbrook. So all of these, there's a lot of evidence I think that supports this point, but I don't think LeBron's ever played on a team like that D like he's had maybe one other guy, Kyrie or Dwayne Wade. Wade. Yeah. Right. And, but the other guys on those teams were usually off ball players, but like most of our dudes, like half the team are on ball players. I think that's a 
problem with this team separate from LeBron and all of that. But I think that LeBron has been trying to figure out his place within that while not physically being, you know, all all the way there. So I don't know. The story of his season so far has been very curious. Yeah. Also, too, like, look, he was dealing with a bit of a foot issue. He was on the injury report. Right. He missed he missed time with that, like, or he played through it, but he did not look himself physically when he got sick and that bug that went through the the entire team. He mm. lacked energy, right? And then, then he misses games because of that adductor strain, right? So he strains his growing, so he misses time there. He comes back that first Spurs game, and, he, and he's clearly sort of shaking off the rust. Then the next game, he bombs away from three, right? And it's just like, oh, Look at LeBron. And then the game after that, rolls his ankle, right? And now, right. so, and then he comes back this past game and he looks great again. And so there's been a level of variance with LeBron that I think has been physical very early on in the season. That is not to me the same as, oh, well, this is a high ankle sprain because um, I forgot who even did it, the dude from Atlanta. Uh, Halliburton? Oh, no. Um, no. Two seasons ago oh, where... Uh, uh, Solomon Hill. Yeah. Yes. With Solomon Hill dove into his leg. This is different than that. Right. right. It's, it's just been a little bit of like, oh, I got a bad flu and like, oh, I tweaked my ankle a little bit and now my jumper's flat. It's like, oh, like, like my, my foot is sore or I strained my groin. And like in year 20, that stuff is probably going to happen a little bit more and managing that is going to be tricky. 100%. So I like I'm interested to see how he manages that part of things, too. Can I say just from an optimist point of view, the fact that we've gotten the train back on the tracks with that context, it wasn't because LeBron last year was so good. And like it wasn't LeBron dropping 30 every night to get us a win so far this season. It's been Anthony Davis flipped a switch and he's been this like consistently dominant, like the atlas upon which everything we're building is is he's it's on his shoulders, you know, and and he's been holding that down in ways that have allowed for LeBron to to, to find all of that. Right. And, and so I don't know I'm encouraged by that in terms of just going back to how we feel about this team. Like the fact that this wasn't a LeBron scored 50 tonight and we got the win type of stretch against bad teams, all of the context, I get that, but I yeah. don't know the, we it's, it's been other things that we figured out within that Austin Reeves, man, how good is he? And so just things like that matter. Austin's look great. I am appreciative of him continuing to downplay his increase in aggression by him just couching it with I'm just trying to play basketball. Meanwhile, he's freaking cooking guys. <laughs> well, Austin is a super interesting player because he is like Billy Hoyle to a certain extent, right? Sure. Like the, the white man can't jump character. If Mike was here, he would tell you white man can't jump is a basketball yes, movie, movie from 1992. Yeah. Wesley Snipes. And, <laughs> anyways, you, Mike. Um, <laughs> But he's that dude that is just like he good short area quickness, good, good handle. Right. He busted out the little tomahawk on like the open court dunk mm -hmm. like this past game. But that was because he dipped into the help lane and showed the right angle in order to get the deflection in the first place. There are tactical things that Alex does or I'm sorry that Alex that Austin does really well that 
also then can be used against him when because he is an angles defensive player. And so Jeremy Grant was just like, oh, you're giving me this angle. I'm going to eat that angle up and then I'm going to get you to six feet and I'm just going to turn and shoot over the top of you. Guys who who are still much physically stronger than than him will attack him in in that way. Guys who are quicker than than him, they will attack him in that way. And he's learning how to navigate those situations and giving up baskets that are totally reflective of the fact that he has fewer physical tools than some of his his opponents, while also leveraging his own physical tools to get some of those same buckets back, right? Like, oh, look, I've got crafty foot footwork. One of the things that I thought that he... It's so such a simple idea, but the way that he said it in his post-game walk-off with Mike last night was just trying to play off two feet. And it's yeah. like a simple thing, right? So LeBron, Hard to achieve in a sport where you're on the move so much. Though. Well, the stuff that LeBron talks about, like that idea of like, I no longer rely on just elite athleticism. That elite athleticism from LeBron was all one foot stuff. It was his ability to play yeah. off one foot. Now, LeBron is so good that he's also a great two foot player. And it's why all of those rocket passes that come out yep. of skips and jump passes and, and all of that. Most of those come off of two feet elevations, mm-hmm. right? Because he has such great body control. But Austin doesn't have the benefit of ever being able to jump out of the gym. So he has to play off of two feet. He has to anchor that pivot. He has to go up and under, reverse pivot, fade, step through. Like, oh, you think the fade is coming? Now I'm stepping through and I'm going this way. Like, oh, I'm taking advantage of the fact that you're off your feet and now I'm drawing a foul and he's getting to the foul lines four times a game, five times a game, seven free throws. Okay, so I'm super pleased with Austin's evolution this season, he's looked wonderful. So there's reasons to believe and and like anchor a, a positive spirit within the fans, which I'm super happy with. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, though, Pete, is after the game, Anthony Davis was like, OK, we got a six game trip. I like a goal for us is to be over 500 for this trip. Right. So. Okay, that means at least going four and two. There's, I don't want to call it a murderer's row, but there's some tough teams in this group, right? Like, and it starts tomorrow in Milwaukee. And so, how do you balance you as a fan? Forget like the like we're talking about feeling here, right? So, you as a fan, that's right. How do you balance that sort of realism versus optimism, and the fact that like they're going to play some of these really good teams? And where's your mind at around that with like the the trajectory that the team is on playing against with all the context that you mentioned? And and so where's it all at for you right now? So if the heart of that question is like, how do I think it's going to go relative to this optimism (laughs) and this like, hey, we got the train on the tracks. I think it's going to largely depend on a couple of factors. I don't think we're going to be beating the high level team. So first of all, like no matter how good you are, like road win at Milwaukee, very unlikely, right? So it's this is less about the result. I would love to see us win, um, but it's it's not an expectation. Um, but over the course of the six games is really more of what I'm talking about. And if if we want to beat a lot of the better teams in the NBA and be in conversation with them, or at least be a trade away from that. I really think we have to size up at the small forward position at the very least. We have, I, 
I think the concept of this team is that 41 style pick and roll you to death. I love like we run ball screens from so many different angles. It's not just the four out setup, right? We've got five out looks. We do a lot of wing pick and roll stuff. But the point is, is it's like we're going to ball screen you to death. And we've got all these guards that that can run a ball screen and all these other guards that can like they're not shooters, but they like if they're open, if you get a swing, swing, wide open shot because you've got so many guys that can dribble penetrate to the basket like yeah they'll knock down enough of those um and so i get it and there's a benefit to it i just think we're like one shift away uh and of sizing up to really locking into so like to me we're not gonna be in those games until we do that we just have certain stretches of the games where like we go below a certain requisite level of size and we can debate when that comes in and when it doesn't Right. Um, but I really think that I don't like I, my I, I think three and three is likelier under the current circumstances. And if we size up a bit, I do think we have a chance at a four and two tri- type of road trip. And also with a also with Austin, like whatever his maximum amount of minutes per game he can play are, because remember, he wore down a bit last year. And so that's something to keep in mind long term. I'm curious. Hey, yeah, I, I'm. Look, I've been begging for him to shoot the ball more since last season. And so seeing him be like, oh, yeah, this dude can't guard me like over and over again, or at least at least 10 times a game, you know, like great. But how is he going to be able to hold up? You know what I'm saying? Physically. But whatever the maximum amount of minutes per game he can play, I don't care who's healthy, who's available. He should be playing that many minutes. Yeah. And he played 35 minutes last night, but he played that with Lonnie Walker out and he played that with Troy Brown out. And so I'll be interested to see if Darwin calls on him to play 34 or 35 minutes if both of those guys are still available. I hope that right. Austin does play that much and he continues to be in that 32 to 34 minute range. I think Darwin's done. I think Darwin's been mindful of like Anthony Davis played 29 minutes this last game. Now, some of that mm-hmm. was score related, but some of it's just like he's trying to find time to rest AD. AD often takes a long rest at the start of the second and the fourth quarters. And I think mm-hmm. Darwin has been holding him out for longer stretches just and like figuring out how long can I go? When you're up 17, 15, 17 points, like that's exactly the game where you're like, hey, maybe we hold on to this and we're up when AD's supposed to come back in, we're up 20 at that point. And AD yep. doesn't have to come back in at all. That's what you're hoping for as the coach of a team to get through an 82 game season. No, and, and so I think you're right. Um, I want to get back to that idea really quickly about like sizing up. It sounds like you're talking about one specific player in general because the Lakers don't have a forward. They don't have a small forward mm-hmm. who so the small forward they have is LeBron James. Right. And so when you're talking about sizing up, does that mean does that mean like Wendell Gabriel playing more at the four in order to push LeBron down? Does that mean like more two big lineups? With like Gabriel and Bryant, it's it's Gabriel and Bryant in particular uh, in the Russ unit, right? One of the things that I've really liked that Darvin's done um, as the seasons developed is he's given Russ his own unit to run, a unit where neither LeBron or AD are on the court at, uh, with him, and. I think there's a special connection between Russ Wenyon and TB that it's just like it, one of those things where like you put the three things together and it's like well, this really works. The Wenyon and, and TB units, their motor is both so high, like both of them, and 
like Wenyan's a fantastic athlete where I'm going to really excited. I have an LFR style video been a minute since I done one of those, but have one of them coming out at, uh, on Wenyan. And, um, and so he's this, and just got this great motor and length. TB has got this size and just finishing touch around the rim. Both of them have a, a motor for the defensive glass. They run the court. And so I just think that these factors together, normally I wouldn't advocate like Russ plus two bigs, especially two bigs that can't shoot. But I think that the smaller units, like that's a part of the game where teams are smaller really than any other part of the game. And it's a part where Wenyan can defend the perimeter, but you can't defend like the dude, dudes aren't big enough to guard Wenyan and TB on the perimeter on the offensive glass in particular. So between that and transition and then like you have Austin with that unit as well. I think that's one of the reasons he comes off the bench, because if it is a half court play, then you've got some skill there as well. Just it's a nice compliment to Russ and he can knock down catch and shoot threes off of Russ's shot creation. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where my my head goes with with all of that in terms of sizing up. I think that's the portion of the game to do it with a Wenyan TB group with uh, with Russ. So interesting stat here, Pete. I just looked it up while you were talking about that is 21 minutes that Russ, Wenyan, and Thomas Bryant have all been on the floor together. Only 21 minutes so far this mm-hmm. season. Guess what their net rating is? Plus 15? Plus 48 <laughs> net rating. I'm telling you, man, there's something there. Like They have it's, 100 and, yeah. 139.6 offensive rating and a 91.5 defensive rating. Now, obviously, 21-minute sample, that could be one big run in a single game and then a bunch of like average play where they've basically been even. And it's like, sure. hey, look at you. You've got a plus 50 net rating. Like, congratulations, right? That said, the... The spirit, and I'd love to close with this idea just really quickly and get back to Russ. Russ hit those two buzzer beater threes, and LeBron got asked about it after the game, and he had sort of talked about the spirit that Russ can imbue on the team. And I think that last season, if I'm being quite frank, that spirit was all dour. It was all negative. Yes. It was, he, was, he sucked the life out of the building, and it was one of the reasons why he got booed at home. And why now I'm not going to justify any of the stuff that like fans were saying to him and personal attacks and all of that stuff. Pardon my French. All of that shit was trash and it was garbage. And if you were one of those people who was cussing out Russell Westbrook or sending his family messages on Twitter Mm -hmm. or all of that shit, like go to hell, honestly, honestly, just cut it all out. But this season, all of that has turned positive. Now, Russ has been his better play is has inspired a lot of this like hey this rejoicing and like hey that's the past now like look you're my friend right but it's it's also this idea of like like he is actively seeking out joy and he is bringing that joy and spirit to the groups that he's playing in and last season that was not true it just wasn't and so i am super happy that lebron acknowledged that within the context of of the conversation because that is a quality that Russ has and had the best versions of him and the best versions of his teams have all had that thing specific. And it's been, that's been a a piece of what I've been happy about this year. Amen to that. Like the, that's part of the value of calibrating toward Russ. Like he is who he is 
And if you build a unit around that and you build some basketball lineups kind of around the idea that we have Russell Westbrook on our team and he does certain things, like if you play to that, you can actually get some production out of it. Now, is it $47 million of production? It's not, but it is more of a natural fit than it was last year, right? And so it sends us into the last pot of the week with good spirits, but a long road trip awaits. And so we're going to preview that tomorrow. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, missing. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.